0: Hello, everybody. It is Kirk Henderson, Josh Bowe, and Jeffrey Cooperstein tonight following the Mavs' second straight loss to the franchise-altering New York Knicks. I don't really know what to say about this game. I uh, ended up uh, working the first half and had it on kind of in the background. Then in the second half, I screamed at my TV, "Um, I'm going to let you guys kick this off. So, uh, Josh, why don't you uh, fire away with how you feel about that amazing loss? uh
1: it was ass <laughs> it was it was the most ass i don't know if i could say it any better it was the fullest ass i mean that, i think think that's that's what i have to say we can wrap it up we can i can go to bed now i good mean podcast
0: good, yeah that's a a good and a podcast half. a minute and a half well let's let's start <laughs> with uh you know normally i try to start with the happy stuff but you know i i can't after after a loss like that let's let's start with what you feel like was the was the biggest issue that game?
1: Go ahead, Jeff. You were pretty mad when we were in the pre-show, so you, you can lead off.
2: I don't. I don't even know. Like, I don't. I I'm like too mad right now to pinpoint a specific issue. But it, the fact of the matter is, you can't lose to the Knicks twice in six days. It just can't happen. If this team has playoff aspirations, like we all know they do, you cannot lose to the New York freaking Knicks twice in six days.
0: Yeah, I I would have to say for me, it's it starts with another piss poor start. Uh, We all laughed like like it's incredible when you see both in our slack and online where everybody's going, oh, no, why is Dwight Powell starting? And then what do you know? Uh, He gets his butt kicked in the first quarter. That's not his fault. He shouldn't be put in those situations. So the Mavs go down a little bit early. Their offense is ugly, which some of that was the Knicks just kind of playing out of their minds. They were really excited. That was interesting. Uh, But the other part, I just don't, I don't understand in a, with a team that clogs up the lane, like the Knicks and with their kind of big, you know, they have like nine power forwards. Powell's vertical spacing is useless because he doesn't even he doesn't do anything. He's just kind of hanging out in the dunker spot. And of course, he got a few passes down there and blew early layups. He ended up rounding out the game. All right. But it's just like getting off to these bad starts against bad teams. I don't understand how this keeps happening.
2: Uh, Maybe the Mavs just aren't as good as we thought.
0: Josh, you you should talk about that a little. What 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 is what is your d? What what do you think it was? Because you were you were like like 2013, Josh. It was great. Well, listen how mad you were. <laughs>
1: well, it's I think the thing that makes me really frustrated is they lost to the Knicks last week and you can I don't like doing this, but you can you can do what you want and throw up your hands and you can shrug and you can say uh, it was just one of those nights. The Knicks hit a bunch of mid-range shots. They had a you bunch can't, of threes. You They're can't not
2: say good. that though. I for me at least, I don't think you can say that. No, I, I the, don't. The, the Knicks are a bad team, and it's there's. I understand they had a for them. They had a lot to play for tonight. This was their game seven of the finals. But the, I I I can't it I can't get it through my head that they lost to them not once but twice.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that's there. what I'm saying. So like after that first loss, I will. I don't accept it, but I will chuck it up to the random variances of an 82 sure. game season. I will give you, I'll give you that, even if I don't believe it. I'll just give it to you. But then this game, like when you know the Mets have two days off, they've been in New England. You know, they were in Boston, and then in New York, so they've been in the you know New England uh, northeastern area for for a whole week. They've been getting questions about it all week. They've probably had this game circled on their calendar for a while. Or at least Christoph has been thinking about it. Like, this wasn't a surprise to see the garden going nuts and for the Knicks to be treating this game like it's their Super Bowl or it's like their game seven. Like, there's nothing surprising about that. And for me, the Mavericks being down in the first quarter isn't what upsets me. What upsets me is how slow, how lackadaisical, and how, uh, an energetic they look to be playing that game to start the game you uh, yeah know? and that's the part like you know hey if they're missing shots if they're you know they're not playing well if they're sloppy with the ball all that stuff hey you know i would be like you know what the knicks probably come out like gangbusters and they're they're hyped in this first quarter or whatever i get it but it wasn't that it was the way they looked. it was the body language, it was all the stupid intangible stuff that I sometimes hate talking about all the time, but it was totally that in the first quarter. It was yeah, totally ab- that it was absolutely all of that. and
2: that's that's not uh that's not specific to this game either. They've had that similar start before where they're just they're not doing the little things they're having dumb turnovers they're they're turning it over, they're taking all the seconds on the shot clock and taking bad shots from five feet behind the three point line. And like you said, they this game has they've known this game is coming for a few days. They've had two days off to prepare for the game and prepare for the hype that was in the garden. And they just didn't come out ready. And that's inexcusable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm looking at this. I'm looking at the stats here. And again, the next, you know, they, they crushed they crushed Dallas on the boards, uh, nine more rebounds in total. And they beat, you know, only only three more offensive rebounds, but the Mavs still gave up 15 offensive boards. These are not the sort of things that winning teams do. And I want to make a broader point that I think is is sometimes lost with some of the people we converse with. Teams that make the playoffs do not lose games they're supposed to win like this. You cannot have two losses like this in your first 11 games. This is the sort of thing where... If it's, you know, April 1st and there's six games remaining and the Mavs are a half game back where we are going to be screaming into the void. Now, maybe that won't matter. You know, there's there's still a lot of time, but I, I just don't understand, you know, what who they think they are. The Mavs have a particular style that they want to play with that much. We see. But Josh wrote about how they don't really seem to have an identity and I, I think that's about right. The most the people who have the most consistent minutes are Luka Doncic, and then I think the second player is actually Tim Hardaway Jr. over Porzingis, just due to due to the way you know that Porzingis hasn't played a game and uh, uh, Hardaway and the foul trouble for Porzingis in that Boston game is kind of off. But like you know, a good basketball team does not feature Tim Hardaway Jr. Like he's not the only issue. You know, when you look at uh, Brunson and Wright, it's kind of hard for for us to – and even Curry, you know, the the three of those guys shot a combined three for 11 from the floor. You know, it's hard to be, you know, too frustrated with Rick in terms of playing him, you know, in that game when when the other players are ineffective. But it's – there something is is just a little bit off, and they can't – it's really weird to see these losses coming – you know, you keep hoping Luka's going to do something astronomical to save you, but that's not a winning recipe, right? No, and
1: it's it's the stuff that when I mentioned this over the off season, when I was really mad—not you know, mad, but you know what I mean—just frustrated that the Mavericks kind of took about fourteen to fifteen million in cap space and basically ate it.
2: Threw, ate yeah, it.
1: threw it into the dust, into the wind, and and like a cloud of dust. This is kind. This is why. Like, I mean. You know, Dorian Finney Smith, three of four, seven points in 23 minutes, fine. But it only is fine. attempts. Yeah. But you're just looking at Seth Curry, one of five, Kleba, 0 oh for three, Brunson, one for four, Wright, one for two. I mean, these guys aren't even getting up shots. Like, it's not even the, you know, it's, it's doubly bad. You know, they're missing shots, but they're not even getting up shots. And when you watch the way this team plays, it's Luca runs in action. And if he doesn't score, you know, the team is, you know, teams are starting to double him when he gets into the paint and he's making these great passes. And as we saw in Boston, you know, when guys are hitting them, they're competitive and they almost stole a game on the road against one of the best teams in the NBA. And then when they're not, this is what it, this is what it looks like. It looks bad against a bad team. And there's just so many guys on this team that don't have a track record of being a good player on a good team. I mean, like Tim Hardaway Jr., everyone keeps telling me, uh, if they can just get him back to when he was playing like Atlanta. I was like, man, that was like 75 games for one season three years ago. Like, what yeah. are we talking about here? Look, man, I, I
2: actually thought Tim was pretty good tonight. He did hit that yeah. big shot to give the Mavs the lead uh, in the fourth quarter. But you're right. for him, it, A good team is not – Tim Hardaway Jr. is not playing the second most minutes on the team, nope. and that's, that's just a fact.
0: Yeah, and, and it's
1: like I, – and I want to say one thing quick – because I see this a lot on the timeline, I think fans are starting to get, they're over Seth Curry. And I I even saw on the timeline someone say like, hey, just sit him and play broke off instead. I just just want (laughs) to say something. Like, I'm at the point now where it's, I am completely, like I'm throwing my hands up in the air and I have no idea about Seth Curry's season because now he's starting, you know, he's starting He's starting to get at least some minutes. You know, he's not playing like seven minutes like he was earlier in the season. He's been getting at least 20 to 25 minutes a game and he's still, and there's, and it's nothing like there's no actions really run for him there he there's he when he gets the ball there seems to be nothing going on you know as in terms of his aggressiveness so, you know i'm not trying to just say this is a rick thing or a coaching staff thing like there's just something off with the mm-hmm. way he's playing and the thing is you want to say okay well let's put someone else in you, you, there's no one else there's like no when out. you when you look at Kristoff, you know when Christoph struggles People aren't saying, oh, we got, well, I'm sure there are people because they're dumb people, but they're saying, oh, you got to bench Kristaps, play Bobon more or something like that. Like you can't, like Seth is one of the guys on this roster where you can't look at someone else and be like, okay, we'll sit him, we'll play this guy. Like the roster is not built like that. The way this roster is built is it's not sit Seth and put someone else in. It's look at Seth and go, we have to make this better because if we do not make this better, we will not be a playoff team. It is not a, oh, just bench Seth and put someone else in. It's a, no, you got to fix it with Seth because this, he's, he was your second biggest offseason acquisition. You got to make it work. There's no one else on the roster that has a skill set that he has. You just, you got to find a way. And I'm just completely bef- like befuddled and confused and, yeah, I don't know what's going so can on. Can we
0: there. can we talk big picture things? I want to I want to talk about two things. The, the I would love to talk like, big picture. The, well, well, actually, the the guys who who are who are ultimately going to be responsible if the Mavs win and lose games, and that's going to be Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis. Doncic played another outstanding game: thirty three points, ten rebounds, eleven assists. But here's the number that's telling for me: the guy shot three of twelve for three. He is now exactly thirty one percent on the year. He's hit 31 threes out of hundred attempts, and those He's three were consecutive. Yeah, he's got to dial these back. It, 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 he gets to the the rim at will. I understand that shot is there, but he, he they're not they're not going. And until they start going, until he gets on, you know, this is not this is not really helpful for the Mavericks. It, it's it's well, the only real critique I have about his game tonight is is that is is the the kind of threes he was taking. Well, uh, let,
2: let, let me say this. Uh, let me preface this. Uh, Luca will not shoot less threes this season. <laughs> I, uh, I mean that. I, I will. I guarantee you that. In fact, they might go up a little bit because the Mavericks are going to live and die on the three. And whether you like it or not, that's just what's going to be the case. Look, as I as I see it, Luke is good for thirty every night. It. Where are you getting that other seventy to eighty from? You need to get Seth going. I absolutely agree, Josh. They need to find a way to get him involved in the offense to get him open looks. And he, I mean, he's not even making his open looks right now. Um, again, he had the one great putback, which kept the Mavs right in the game. But they they have to find a way to get scoring when Luca's shots aren't falling. And at, at this point in time, I think we can say definitively he's not a great three point shooter. But he's going to take a lot of them, and so we're are just gonna have to live with it because it's not gonna change.
0: What and the other thing I wanted to touch on because I think you're probably right, and that's really the only criticism I can make of Luca's game, like the fact that he only had three turnovers. That's one of his best like all around performances of the year, I think. Yeah. The other guy I want to talk about is Zingus, and I keep talking about him. I think the fans think I hate him. I don't hate him. Wait, I, Kurt. Yep.
1: Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I want to go one more thing on Luca before we go sure. to the KP. I this is just a question that I have that I'm going to bounce off you, and maybe it, it'll take someone else, uh, one of our more uh, statistically inclined uh, friends on Twitter. But I'm wondering with the Luca and the threes, because I, my initial, my emotional, guttural reaction to what you're saying is, you are 100 percent right. He needs to dial back the threes. What I'm wondering is statistically, like, should, you know, 31% on threes for him, are those still better shots than what shots he could be taking? Are they still more points per possession compared to maybe him going in the lane and throwing up a 10 or 15 footer? Like, that's the one thing I'm wondering. He's not shooting those shots, though. He's That's true. He's I know. shooting
0: so many of his shots at the rim. He's basically there every time. And that's what I mean. So he had 10 makes tonight, and seven of his 11 attempts were inside the three-point line. Or seven of his 11 makes were inside the... or I, I'm saying this wrong. Seven of his 10 makes were inside the three-point line. So he was essentially seven of 11 in inside the three point which is incredible well and and
2: I, here's here's the luca is the poster boy for the mavericks because mm-hmm. in more ways than one obviously the mavericks analytics people tell you it's either a three or a layup and that's what luca is he's taking threes or he's taking layups and i i mean i i, I understand the sentiment that he needs to dial him back because he's not making them but they, they don't want they don't want anybody let alone him taking 10 to 15 foot shots
1: yeah. yeah. And it's a one, I think what Kirk's point is saying is he's not saying he wants Luca to take less threes and take more mid range. He wants him to just dial back the threes and, and keep the, you know, maybe replace them with more drives to the rim, more shots around the bucket. Cause he's so good. He's unstoppable I, at this and, point. Right. He is. And I almost wonder if him shooting, you know, Defenses are petrified of Luca when he has the ball out behind the three point line because they do not want to end up on a highlight reel of him doing a you know a step back three banking it in or doing something crazy. And I almost wonder if it's part of like he has to keep defenses honest. You know, I don't know. It's almost like a chicken egg scenario. Is he so effective at the rim because defenses respect that three point shot even though the percentages aren't there? But the way teams guard him, I know. Kirk, you talked about this on one of your podcasts. The way teams guard him is that more valuable than the, the percentage necessarily, and does he have to keep shooting this to keep that up? And that's just something I don't know the answer to. That I'm not trying to insinuate one way or the other. It's just Maybe something, that right? About. No,
0: it's a good question. It's a good but, question.
1: But you can go into KP now. I was just thinking out loud.
0: Okay, so the thing that I'm I'm curious about with KP is is at a box score stat. If I'm a fan who's looking at this, I look at 20 points, 11 rebounds, three blocks, and say, huh. Another pretty good game. I thought KP when he was on the move, particularly his offensive rebounding activity, and generally when he wasn't standing still, he was a very effective Maverick. I think he's still effective when he's standing still in terms of drawing attention, but when he gets shots, at, you know, in post up situations and off of the, you know, off of, off of pick and, and rolls right now, where he's getting the ball kicked to him. He's just tentative and it's not a good look. The fact that they went to him on an, a ISO uh, to, to, you know, for one of the game closing shots is a truly baffling decision. He is simply not good at these shots right now. I don't think he's good at them ever. If I, if I remember correctly, but you know, it's a seven, three guy and we got to talk about how he looks like Dirk uh, yada, yada, yada. I, I just, I'm, I'm very confused. Like they, they're, Obviously, figuring out how to use him correctly is one thing. I think playing him as a small ball five would be nice. He's still playing power forward. I, I just I don't understand what's happening here with I, him. It's it's very confusing to me. What do you guys think? Uh, it it's confusing because the way I thought they
2: were going to end up using him, because this is the way Rick kind of said it before the year, is that he's a four on offense, but he's a four slash five on defense, and mm-hmm. he'll kind of be able to switch and guard people. They they I don't I don't think they've found what role he that suits him best. And, you know, for everything that went on tonight, I actually thought he did play a pretty good game and handled handled the adversity well, especially after starting out slow again
0: real well. That's true.
2: Yeah. And uh, so all in all, I thought he had a pretty decent game, but they they still haven't found a true role for him and they still haven't found just a rhythm with him yet. And they they have to get him integrated
0: more or else it's just not going to work. He played a lot harder tonight. I think that's a thing that I I need to be to to stay out loud. That his effort sometimes is is you know he just he gets out of the flow of the offense and that just affects his whole game. Um, I I don't. He's just too important to the team, and we, he keeps having these nights where he shoots. You know, tonight he shot seven to seventeen for Uh, you know for for twenty points. It's not very efficient. And granted, it doesn't look like many of the Mavs are very efficient. So that's, you know, kind of the overarching problem (laughs) here. When you, when you shoot 22% from three and again, to miss all these free throws, there's, there's just nothing, you know, there it, it, it's hard to, it's really hard to pinpoint loss here because I think our fans are getting really fed up. And, you know, I'm very confused with some of their late game decisions, uh, with some of the, you know, with how they're playing. I, I don't understand what's going on. Um, yeah. but maybe you know I'm not a coach, so maybe I'm missing something.
1: yeah, Kirk, uh to go further on your point about KP on the move so entering entering tonight, stats aren't updated for tonight, obviously, but entering tonight's game, KP on zero dribbles is shooting forty five percent, one dribble forty two percent two dribbles twenty six percent three three to six dribbles twenty one percent.
0: boy, howdy does he do a lot of pointless dribbling to get bad shots? Yeah. So, so that's
1: Baron what you're saying. Um, Yeah. It's just, it's a, I think it's a weird awkwardness between his ideal role. I think right now might be, he needs to be more of a spot up, you know, have his offense created for him kind of guy right
0: now. Well, can we have a Luca KP pick and roll for the love of God? Like we have these, (laughs) uh, we have these pick and rolls where he's standing out on the wing, but he's not the screener. Like the, they don't run pick and rolls with Luca and him that often.
2: Well, they no, they don't run it. I I I Frank, I can remember maybe one or two they ran tonight. It's just not part of their game yet. And they've, I'm sure that'll. Or I I shouldn't say I'm sure. I hope that will change as we go in, l- later into the season. I guess they're just not comfortable feeling each other out yet, and that's something they're gonna have to work on in practice and and try to implement it into the game because I don't I don't think they want to roll it out if it's not gonna work.
1: Well, and then another reason why is because when you play uh, KP with another big so often with Pal or Kleba, if you're not running a pick and roll, so if you're running a pick and roll with KP, that means Kleba and Pal are on their own. And we've seen continuously this season that defenses do not give a shit about any Mavs that are not Luka and KP. And so, like, if you're playing with Pal in the starting lineup, and if you're running pick-and-rolls with Luca and KP, what do you think Dwight Powell's guy is going to do? He's going to blitz that pick-and-roll. They're going to try to blow it up, and it kind of limits the effectiveness of Powell. With Kleba, it's a little bit different because, obviously, he can space the floor a little bit more. And he's shooting – entering tonight, he was like 40% from three. It's probably you know dipped under that after his overnight. for night. But I think that's almost the reason it's uh, Rick loves to run offense with uh, the five setting the, setting the hard screen right up top, And, and so and, when you've got, but this goes back to Kirk's point, they need to play more KP at the five. Then if yeah. you're concerned about what Kleba and Powell do off ball.
2: Absolutely. You know, Rick, Rick loves that high five where Powell comes and sets the screen. Well, if that's Porzingis, the offense probably looks a lot more open and a lot more different. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know about you guys. Let's, I want to get your thoughts on this. I haven't liked what I've seen from Powell this year. I knew he wasn't. A, I knew he wasn't a great defender. But when he's not rolling hard to the rim and getting those easy dunks and layups, and he's not like like we talked about before the season, he's not spacing the offense out. W- what is his purpose? Well,
0: I, let me oh, go, go ahead, bird, because you're a you're a you're a a Powell lover. So we're we're gonna need a Powell hater, uh, which I've been you know called a few times. <laughs> Uh, the Knicks are a particularly bad matchup for him, which is why I don't understand why he played this much. You know, they throw these big bodies in the rim and his verticality is just tossed out the window. Um, Can I go on a tangent for two seconds? Yes. This this is another incredible thing
2: about how I can't understand. The Knicks have nine power forwards and five point guards. How are <laughs> they able to win a game? <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, well i mean the 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 k the the pal thing in particular he even you know i, I want to say again he rebounded and had an had an all right game it's just it's, it's very confusing because i don't think he is the kind of player that works against starters regularly he's constantly feasted over the years uh against second string like players yep. yeah and and that's you know that's fine that's that's who he is but i think they might be asking more out of him i also think he just He looks really uncomfortable a lot of the time. It takes him like 12 minutes to get into a game because he catches the ball like he's a, you know, like he's a baby deer. It's so there's just at least one but then he does something crazy. There was a crazy play in the second half where he got a kick out from Luca at the three point line on the left wing. No, the three that he made, yes, but he also drove later in the game and split the defense and passed to Luca, who set like a uh, like a a fake screen and then rolled out in the middle of the lane and caught it for a layup. Like Paul is a pretty good basketball player. He's just, I don't know. I feel like he he needs a little more time than the Mavericks have to give him to get into the flow of the game. What where, where do what do you think, Josh? <laughs>
1: Uh, I agree with you. I think it's particularly amplified by the Knicks because, like you said, they have three power forwards that are all thick and meaty and can kind of limit what Powell is good at and really expose what he's you know, bad at. Um, which what really confuses me is, like you said, you know, he plays this many minutes when you've got Kleba, who's a little bit more of a defensive-minded big uh, that you think could match up with a Morris or a Bobby Portis or Julius Randle a little bit better. And then another thing is when he's on the floor – This is a thing, the the Mavs play a very conservative defensive scheme, especially in terms of the pick and roll. They love to drop the big back. Uh, It especially makes sense when you've got KP. It makes sense when you think about that it is hard to play more aggressive trapping style for 48 minutes because it just wears guys out. But when you've got bigs like Kleba, and especially when you've got Pal, and when you've got him in a game where he isn't going to be able to do squat on defense because he cannot guard in the paint straight up, especially against these bigger bodies. Why aren't you trapping a little bit more? The Knicks play Frank Nilakina, Dennis Smith Jr., R.J. Barrett with the ball in their hands a lot. They need to be trapping with Pal, using his quick feet, uh, using his strengths, using his quickness, his good hands. Powell has pretty decent hands on defense. It's just, you know, that's less effective for a guy who has to guard the rim a lot, uh, you know, in terms of steals. You know, get him out there, trap some of these Knicks ball handlers that might not be as experienced or well-adverse to pressure – or handling those kind of defensive schemes, you know, mix things up a little bit, get him move in, you know, try to spark, spark your team on one end and create some easy offense. It drives me nuts when I see the Mavericks have Pal just kind of drop back and play defense like he's KP or like he's Tyson Chandler. And it's just not That's he's never going to be good at the rim. Guys just score right over him or they score through him. And how many times, you know, have we seen Pal with his arms straight up guarding the rim and a guy kind of scoots under and scores under his armpits. And like that happens all the time. And, you know, especially not like tonight. I'm just not sure why you don't look at this Knicks team and go, man, let's trap their ball. Let's get Pal out there in space and let's use his quickness and let's, you know, let's beat the crap out of these guys because we don't think that they have the guards that can make the passes that can beat that kind of defense. You know, that's me sitting on the couch. That's what I would think that you would want to do against the Knicks team that doesn't have a lot of experienced ball handlers. Uh, on the floor uh at once uh let alone you know just one guy on the floor they can do that so that's kind of part of it and then another part of it is man hamstring injuries suck and yeah. when you have a hamstring injury you're basically not doing anything until you are good to go because you do not want to tweak it again so he basically he missed all the training camp all the preseason games he missed about a, almost a you know a week of the season and now he's kind of this, like this is basically his training camp. And I think that's why you're seeing maybe some of the slow starts for him along with the bad matchups. You know, And you, you see him get going a little toward the second half. I think that might be part of it. So, uh, yeah, it's just kind of twofold. It's the injury and then it's I feel like the Mavericks can make better use of, of his strengths on defense. You know, the ones that he does have.
0: I think we could probably continue to talk about this game for a long time. I think that we should channel it in other ways if there are things. You know, they play again tomorrow night, right? And they play, oh, yeah, they play the, uh, uh, no, they play Saturday versus Saturday. The
1: oh, Kirk, Kirk, we need, should we talk about before, you know, before we start wrapping things up or anything? Do we want to talk about, uh, the Luka sitting for over half, you know, the, the way the Mavericks, kind of manage his minutes yeah
0: i think we should address it i don't really know what to say about it because we got so used to these interesting rotations with dirk where he'd play a bit sit for a bit play a bit more you know like they got dirk in and out of games a lot particularly during the final year so it's really weird to see luca play 12 minutes straight six sit six minutes play six minutes and and a half and then they just repeat that i'm not sure what they should do differently to be honest
2: here's my thing it like yes you want luca to play more but what when he came in the game, the Mavs? I think the game was a one possession game when he came, yeah, out. it was
0: fine. They, they went, the, the only thing they did stupid was go to Boban right out of a timeout, correct? No yes,
2: and and I think that's all you can ask for. I mean, they needed Luka to play that third quarter because otherwise they wouldn't have been in the game,
0: yeah. So. And I, I think, I think we, a thing we have to remember is that Coach Carlisle, above all else, is very process oriented. And even though, you know, Doncic was on a like basically a flamethrower there at the end of the third quarter, he's not going to keep a guy in unless it's like game six of the, you know, of the Eastern Con- or Western Conference finals. Like, that's just not how he works. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, I think that's the part of it for me is like, I understand kind of they've got this, you know, I'm sure he works with Casey Smith, the trainer, and they've got a set plan for, you know, the best way to to utilize him like you said, Kirk, I I guess for me, just emotionally, just seeing him have an incredible end to that third quarter and then basically sit for 10 real time minutes. And it's not the fact that, you know, when he came back in, yes, I think the Mavericks had a one point lead. So it's not the fact that they like blew the game while he was gone. It's more that when he came back in it, he didn't look, you know, he kind of looked a little off. Like he needed, he didn't have a, he had a couple of possessions where he didn't really do much and, and the thing is, is you know when you when you bring it back in with 550 left, if you have a couple of positions where you're not doing anything, all of a sudden it's two minutes left, and you know it's crunch time, and and shit's getting real, and, and it's yeah, I think you're right, Kirk. It's one of those things where it's Rick looking at process over results and not trying to get emo- emotional at a one game in 82. But I guess it it just it's it is just kind of weird, you know. Maybe you could tweak it tonight, but. But then you know that could cascade into into further bad decisions. Yeah. So it's just frustrating. But and I get and
2: the the thing about it is, is uh, the, I like I understand that they he needs to play more in the fourth quarter in order to get a, get a rhythm. Like it it seems it it does seem to me like he comes he comes in with less than six minutes left, and before he can even get his feet back in the game, like you said, Josh, they're in, they're in crunch time, and maybe that's something that he has to look
0: at uh, down the road. Well, that certainly happened against Boston because he came back in at the six-minute mark. Then something happened with Powell, and then some, and it was like basically two solid minutes where he didn't get the ball. And that kind of when you win, and that's a re, I think that might be a little bit of a recency bias thing. It's it's just challenging though. I think over overarching, you know, this was the stretch of games that the Mavericks were supposed to play well, and they right. haven't. There's there's no other way to put that. They just haven't played well. They played awful defense. They have played, you know, okay what's what's ridiculous is that they still have an, an amazing offense, despite the, you know, in terms of ratings and rankings, and in, in spite of some of these clunkers. So there's, you know, at some point you hope that Carlisle's right about process and that things click into place and they go on a little bit of a run. I think that's, I think I do think that's possible. I'd one of, uh, one of the guys in the timeline mentioned that to me tonight, but I'm very curious because, you know, when the competition increases at all, I mean, it, it's it's just hard to see where they're going to pick up these wins un- unless somebody else falls out of the West. You know, the, the, the Spurs are like sitting under 500, the Kings are sitting under 500. And so is Oklahoma city and the trailblazers. Like the Mavericks are ahead of these teams and you know, all it takes is like one, you know, one team catching fire for a little while and then you lose your spot. The Mavs just can't afford these sorts of things.
1: Yeah. And really when you look back at it, um, what so dating back, you know, Cleveland they ended up winning well, but they that was a dicey first half. Uh, Orlando was a bad game all the way through, and I think they 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 were so lucky to get to win that game. Uh, then they had the loss to the Knicks. Um, they give up, they kind of give up a I don't know, they beat Memphis pretty handedly, although you know, defensively it wasn't a great game for them, and then. Lose to Boston admirably against a good team, but then lose, another bad loss to the Knicks. So, like, they haven't really str- – I don't think they've strung together two games where you can look at them and be like, all right, that was good. You know, two good games they could be kind of proud of, you know, right. since maybe, you know, when they played New Orleans, Portland, Denver, Los Angeles, and they had some good games there. You know, it just feels like they haven't been able to kind of play a consistent 48 minutes uh, for a couple of weeks now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, Coop, do you have anything else to leave us with before we get on out of here? Man,
2: uh, they need to start winning games. I know it's super early into the season, and but it it just it frustrates me to know. And And this is obviously like a super, super fanboy take, but it just seems like when they have to win a game on national television, it's always a one possession game and they always come up short. And I don't oh, know yeah. what it is, but I'm very I'm gonna,
0: frustrated at the moment. I'm going to hear about this tomorrow from my mother Who who lives in Kansas City? She's gonna call me in the morning and be like, and she's gonna say Luca Doncic or how the heck was Reggie Miller mispronouncing it? it? Like oh. God, that was atrocious. My mother's going to do that in the morning. She lives in Kansas city and she says wrong names all the time. She calls the chief's quarterback, Patrick McCombs. So I can't wait to <laughs> see how she, uh, how she misproduces, uh, pronounces Doncic. Okay, guys, so I, this was fun. We went a little longer than we meant to, but no, actually, no, we didn't. I feel better now. Um, and I'm sure anybody who's listening to us tomorrow will be happy to have a Friday podcast where, you know, we express the same general feelings because nobody likes losing um i'm sure we will be back i didn't have a podcast this week because i sucked at getting guests uh and josh and coop uh, we're all going to get back out here but you know what guys it's a long season just like the mavericks we don't want to get burned out um so once again if you can rate and uh you know rate and uh you know leave a comment on the podcast on any app that you uh, choose us from look up mavs Moneyball podcast we appreciate all of your time and support and we will talk to you uh probably later this weekend